Welcome to another episode of the Syndicated Podcast, Slaying Your Giants. We are just thankful and grateful to be able to bring you another episode. Our God is so good. He's kept me this week so I can come back again. And as is our custom, we'll start out with a little prayer. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus, giving thanks for another day that wasn't promised to us, Lord. We thank you, Father, for all the blessings that you bestow upon us. We, we come to you in agreement, Father, that you are God. We thank you for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We give glory to you, Father. And we thank you for saving us, for healing us, dusting us off, and giving us the spirit to go on and help others. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, we're here today and we have a very special guest coming to us from the Pacific Northwest. Our guest today is Miss Jessica Johnson. She's a full-time mother and an outstanding student at Christian Leaders Institute. Jessica has been delivered from a lot in her life. She has lived in the world of prostitution and has been delivered from her own drug habit. And we are glad to have her with us today to relate some of you know, the things of her life and where God has brought her to now. And we just want you to join in in welcoming our guest. How are you, Jessica? Hello. Hello. I'm doing <laughs> fabulous. <laughs> well, we're glad you could make it today and, and take time out of your schedule. And uh, we just will get right on into it. Uh, I just would like to ask you uh, to give us a little background. Where where are you from and where were you born and uh, stuff like that? Where did you spend um, your young life? Um, well, currently I am in Portland, Oregon. That's where I reside at with my husband and my three children. Uh, um, I grew up uh, kind of all over the U.S. because my father was in the Marines and then when he got out of the service, he became a captain for American Airlines. So I mainly grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, some in uh, Hawaii, and then I finished off a little bit of uh, high school here in um, Beaverton, Oregon. Okay, okay. So uh, you you had a you moved around a lot. Was was your was your childhood uh, pleasant and normal as we quote unquote normal? And uh, tell us about that. How did you grow up? Well, um, my father is from Trinidad and Tobago, and my mother, my biological mother, is from Tokyo, Japan. So when I was about five, almost six years old, my parents had divorced in Hawaii. Okay. And then um, that's the time when my father was in the service. And when he was in the service, he moved us to Atlanta, Georgia, so he could um, get a better uh, occupation as a pilot and get the hours and the schooling in. So he moved to uh, Georgia, and then I stayed there for a little bit. But um, I had a stepmother, which I wasn't too fond of. Um, my my father kind of um, he had a hard time with pornography, so um, that was kind of his addiction: pornography and committing adultery. And you know, the household just wasn't really, as you quote, normal. You know, um, 
he did little things for us here and there, but not because, you know, he wanted to. He just did it just because. Um, I mainly spent a lot of time with my grandmother and my auntie and my uncle in Toronto, Canada during summers and uh, winter holidays for Christmases. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father would ship, ship my brother and I off there so he could go be with his um, wife, which was uh, my stepmother at the time. But um, my father and I didn't really have a very good relationship. Um, it really, really went downhill in my teenage years. Um, when I was 14, I had found out that my father had lied to me about my mother keeping in contact. So I found letters and cards of my mother um, writing us that my father had kept from me. So I felt extremely betrayed and I didn't trust him. So ever since that, it just really, really became bad. My father would become verbal and emotionally and mentally abusive once in a blue moon in my get physical but you know it was really bad verbally to a point I would be called a prostitute a whore you know all these horrible names that you would call a 14 year old which led me to run away from home at 16 so um, I just got really tired of the abuse from my father so I ended up leaving yeah that's that's terrible Your, your mother had been writing you and he wouldn't give you the letter no, he would not. He would tell me that my mother wouldn't care. She did. Uh, she'd never write us letters or birthdays. But um, I had a discernment that I didn't know I had, and it led me to my uh, father's bedroom, which I found all those letters and cards for my mother. And so um, I felt very betrayed by my father that he would keep my mother from me. I was, was very angry about that. Yes, I I could see why. I mean, I would be too, and and that's a difficult thing to to digest at at that young tender age. So, uh, you you okay? Where were you living at this time? Um, I was in Atlanta. I was living actually in Lawrenceville, Georgia, where my father had built his house there, trying to make it a family home and everything, but. Um, that's where I found the letters of my mother writing me at the time. It was in Lawrenceville, Georgia. And um, that's when our relationship as a father and daughter really decreased. And then he ended up moving, moving us to Hawaii, thinking that, you know, because I look more Oriental or Asian, I would um, fit in with the Hawaiian Asian culture. But... That didn't happen, you know. I got bullied and um, I got hurt really badly um, from being bullied. Mm. And then I ended up living. I ended up living with my grandmother for a year in Toronto, Canada, just because I was so traumatized from being jumped by six different Somali <laughs> big oh, girls. <laughs> my goodness. So, how old were you then? That's high school. Um, Yes, that was my freshman year in high school at Kaiser High School in Hawaii, Kai, Hawaii. Hmm. So I was about 15. Wow. Okay, and so, uh, and your father's a pilot. I imagine he was in and out a lot. Did he Did he give you any assistance uh, with the bullying? How did the school do? I mean, did, did somebody step in to try to uh, guide you at that time? Well, they didn't do anything because, you know, just imagine a, a, a Asian mixed girl talking real country and talking y'all. That's how I talked. I had a southern country accent because I lived in Lawrenceville, Georgia. So going to Hawaii, they're looking at me like, who is this girl? You know, she looks like us, but she talks so different and dressed different. So I got picked on a lot. And... I would tell the principals at the school and the teachers and nobody would do anything about it. They would, you know, blow it off and blow it off. And, you know, I tried to tell, you know, one teacher and I told one teacher and she was like, okay, for all, if anything does happen, come up here and let me know. And then once, you know, I tried to let her know, it was too late. I had six girls waiting at, you know, waiting 
for me at the end of the class. You know, I, I it was really, really bad. They would write things on my clothes. They would write things on a backpack. They would write vulgar things. You know, they would tell me that they would straighten out my curls because I have naturally curly hair. They was really, really mean to me. And I would complain to my father, but my father would be like, you know, just leave it alone or ignore it. And he didn't really do anything. He goes, well, I know how you are. You have a feisty mouth and, you know, don't do anything or don't fight back or, you know, and, and I'm just like, well, what am I supposed to do? It's like a half a dozen girls bullying me day in, day out. I can't go to the bus stop. I can't come home. You know, it's, it's, it was always something. And nobody believed me until I really got hurt and until they decided to come and hurt me. And in class, it was actually social studies class where it, I, I ended up getting hurt. And then when that happened, um, I went to the principal's office and I told them to call my father immediately, and I told my father, and my father ended up contacting a lawyer to sue the school, but by the time that happened, my father shipped me to Canada, mm. so I don't know what the results of that was. Wow. So you went to school in Toronto then? I did. I finished off my freshman year in um, Toronto, Canada, and... How, um, how was it there? How was well, it? Well, I liked it there. Okay. I liked living there because, you know, it was it was a melting pot, you know, because I had people of my kind. You know, I had the West Indian people, the Jamaicans, the, the Guyanese, the Trinidadians, the, you know, Indian. It was it was just all kinds of different ethnicities in there, you know, and I loved it because, you know, I had my own, you know, culture there. I had the West Indian culture there, so I was always able to relate and hang out, and I didn't feel left out, or I didn't get bullied, or nothing like that. It was just more welcoming, but how I ended up back with my father was that my father was calling my grandmother, and he would ask her to speak to me, and he would, you know, manipulate and tell me to, you know, um, let's, let's, you know, try again, let's be a family, and let's, let's, uh, try to make it work and let's you know just manipulating a child you know saying that we're gonna be a happy family and everything's gonna be fine and dandy and you know that obviously didn't happen so well it sounds like he he may have had the the right desire somewhere there in him he just didn't know how to get there and yeah he just I think my father's problem was is that he has a lot of brokenness and what also led me astray too was that you know he claimed to be a man of God and there was a lot of hypocrisy you know he would talk about how to be what you should be and all of that but it didn't match up to his alignment with the Lord you know you married but you're cheating you're watching pornography you're not really spending the time with your children you're always mean and you know, you don't spend the time, and you know, he, he was a good man, he did teach me a lot of my morals and certain things, but he just didn't know how to love his children the way God says you're supposed to love your children. Sure. Is he still living? Yes, my father's still living, but I don't talk to my father. My father doesn't want anything to do with me. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, you got your father in heaven to go on with. And yes, and you know that's that's the basis of uh, us having this interview today. Is uh, you know whatever brokenness, you know dejection, uh, shame, guilt, God can come in and He will take all that away and put us on the right path. So I know. You know that's what happened with you, and it's just it's just interesting, uh, you know, to learn about all these different people's lives and what they went through. And boy, it's just so true that you know, whenever you're feeling bad, you you know, a person should know that that you know all you have to do is take a look around because there's somebody going through something worse than you are. So. Okay, so now you did you finish high school in in uh, Toronto? No, I did not. I did not fi- 
finished high school there. I ended up coming back to um, my father. Um, I came back to uh, Hawaii in the summer, but we ended up moving to Beaverton, Oregon. And this time I was 16 years old. So I go back to live with my father and it just was worse than what I left. So I ended up running away from home because my father kept calling me a prostitute and a slut and a whore. And um, I would have a baby before I was 18 and I would um, I, I would be somebody's prostitute pretty much. And um, that the, day, the night that I ran away from home, I left because my father had threatened to... Uh, pretty much killed me because he said that he would hit me so hard that I would be going flying through every single townhouse that we are attached to and that I would be seeing God that day. Mm. So I was very scared because my father worked out and um, I just decided to pack up slowly and I throw out my clothes out the window and I would, I left at 3 o'clock in the morning mm. and I never looked back. Wow. So where did you go at 3 o'clock in the morning? I went to my friend's house in the neighborhood. She hid me out. And then it was funny. The funny part about that is that um, my father and her father was in her room looking for me, but I was outside the window, and they couldn't find me in the bushes because I was camouflaged. <laughs> and I would... <laughs> I would watch my father pace back and forth crying to the Lord, please bring my daughter back, let her come back, I, you know, I'm sorry, I apologize, I should, you know, I would hear him talk and, and whatever, but I, I was so angry, it just built up that I didn't even want to go home because I was like, I'm not going to take that chance of him really hurting me or getting mad at me or whatever, you know, so I stayed. And as soon as he left and started talking to the police, I took my bags and I ended up riding this thing called the Max, which is a public transportation. It's a train. Mm -hmm. I, didn't, I didn't know where I was going, but I ended up on 82nd. And I didn't know that a pretty 16-year-old little girl should not be at 82nd because that's where girls walk the streets. That's when I came to realization what a prostitute was. Okay, now, Jessica, hold on a minute. Let me stop you there. We're going to take a quick break. Um, okay. And we'll come right back to you. Okay. Thank you for listening to Slaying Your Giants, a syndicated podcast brought to you by our sponsor today, Dewey's Barbecue Market, a purveyor of fine meats. Texas-style hardwood fire pit barbecue since 1951. Hickory smoked meats prepared in Texas African-American tradition. Dewey's offers whole briskets, hams, ribs, Polish sausage, and smoked turkey. Visit our website, Dewey'sBBQMarket.com. Once again, D-W-E-Y-S-B-B-Q-Market.com. Place your order today. Okay, we're back with our guest, Ms. Jessica Johnson. You know, Jessica? Uh, yes. Let, okay, let's pick up the story. Okay, now, okay, you're 16 years old. Uh, I know all the big cities have a street. What what was that in Portland? You said it's 82nd Street? 86? Yeah, it was uh, 82nd. Yeah, yeah, we got one of those in Dallas. Uh, but you're, you, you're on 82nd Street, and you're not really wise to the ways of the world yet. Uh, right. I was very sheltered. I was not... I, I didn't even understand what a prostitute really was, although my father would have had me write out the word prostitute in the definition, but I never it never really dawned on me because I had a hard time of comprehension and things like that at the time. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really understand what he would do. And um, when I went to 82nd with all my bags and I just got off there because I didn't know, I just seen a whole bunch of kids get off, but I didn't realize too they was also going to school. 
and I ended up sitting at the bus bus stop where the train also lets people off. I sat there and re- didn't really realize that this was a bad area for me to be in, that there was pimps and drug dealers and uh, prostitutes. I didn't know that. I didn't understand why there was a girl running in and out the cars. And then next you know, um, some pimp sees me being vulnerable and crying and on on the stairs, on the max, and starts talking to me and persuading and talking to me about what am I doing and, you know, just the manipulation and didn't really understand what was going on, but it was raining and it was cold and, you know, he said to come to his house and I went to his house and next you know, one thing led to another and I ended up becoming his prostitute. Hmm. Wow. Forcefully. Yes, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's terrible. Um, that's, uh, that's so sad. And I know it's repeated, uh, a lot, you know, with, with all the human trafficking and whatever that goes on. This is why, uh, it's a difficult subject. I know it's hard for you to talk about, but we know there's someone that, that can relate or been there similar situation uh and they can take strength from the fact that you survived right and and so that's why we we go through and that's why i ask the questions uh so so how long do you think uh you know you were 16 uh how long were you involved in that well, I was with this pimp forcefully for three years. I was beaten really bad. I would be in puddles of blood from him punching me or throwing candles or whatever. Um, I was malnutrition because he wouldn't feed me. I would have to make a soap quarter for him. Um, I was locked in closets, stabbed, cut. But um, eventually it took me about a year and a half to catch on to the street life as a prostitutes and dealing with the Johns and the pimps. And once I learned how to use the tools in the streets and what I've learned to manipulate men and to be able to eat and survive, eventually I realized that if I don't get out of this lifestyle, I'll end up dead. So one day um, I get picked up by the police. And not only did I just get picked up by the police, I'm covered in blood. Mm. I'm covered in blood because this pimp just beat me down <laughs> pretty badly. I'm cut my whole front of my shirt and my pants is covered in blood because he just literally punched the heck out of me, like all in my face and my nose and you know my lips busted and you know I'm still walking the street because that's what he says to do. Wow. This is a six six foot man, you know, and I'm only five five. I'm a little thing. And very petite and he just hurt me and the police picks me up and asks, Well, what's going on? And in my mind I'm like, Oh, I can't tell because you know, the snitch ruled in the streets, you know, he had me brainwashed with that, but I got to thinking like if I don't get out of this situation now, and this is my opportunity to get out, then I'm going for it, you know? Amen. And so that's what I did. I, I People say, you know, I snitched, and hey, it is what it is, but until they walk my shoe and get stabbed and have cuts that's an inch and a half long, and, you know, you're going to do what you're going to do because it's a life or death situation. I either had to take the chance and hope and pray that this police officer will help me and catch him and eventually he ended up going to jail and went to prison and the police dropped me off at my father's house in Lake Oswego he said well where, you know the police would ask me you know where do you know your father where your father is and I didn't have no numbers from any of my family because I was isolated from the world he controlled everything my movement everything that I did on the street, every block, he was there. Make sure he told me where I would go park and hit the dates. And it, it, it was, I didn't realize how bad I was manipulated and conned and controlled 
But when you're scared and you're being beaten like that and hurt, you're going to bow down because you don't know what's going to happen. And um, by him isolating me, he had full control of my mind, of my body, of my emotions, because he knew he, he played that control. He was a pimp. That's what he did. He was abusive and he controlled it. And that's how he would work me. And um, eventually he went to prison because he took a plea for five years and 10 months. He took a plea. I didn't even go to court and testify. I went to the grand jury, but I never went to testify. They still needed me to go testify. He took a plea, and I was like, oh, I guess you're guilty because you took a plea, you know. You're not going to take a plea on something that you're not guilty of. No. The government. No. You know. So when once he took that plea, and they said that he was going to jail, and I was like, okay, well, now what? I don't have anything. I don't have no family, no nothing. The police contacted my father in Lake Oswego. They dropped me off at my father's home, but this time I was pregnant, with his child because he forcefully forced himself on me while he was doing drugs and high and you know he I didn't want to have sexual intercourse with him but he still made force himself on me and next you know I end up having a child this is my actually second child my first one was by a John and um, that was a horrible experience too and um, I gave both of these children up for adoption and I told myself that if I didn't give up this pimp's baby he will use this child to control me for the rest of my life and I will end up dead or have no life and I had to do the hardest thing and that was to give up this child because I knew it was the best for her and for myself and give up I gave up my oldest child um, that I had by a John because again I was forcefully forced upon and had this child so when I had this child, I gave them both up. And then um, when I was at my father's house, I was still pregnant. So I was I only had a couple months left until I had this baby, the pimp's baby. Mm-hmm. But while I was at my father's house, he was married again to a third wife. So I didn't know her really. And, and at this time... You know, I was actually picked and bullied within my own house. You know, my father would talk about, you know, how I used to be a prostitute and I told you you was going to, you know. And then I had my brother make fun of me. Oh, you might want to go out in the streets and, you know, make some money. Or, you know, I wasn't welcomed. And then his wife told him that there wasn't enough room in the house that I'd have to leave. Hmm. So I, I left. I had nowhere to go. So I went to this place where it was for pregnancy uh, for women. And once I had that baby, I was like, okay, well, now what? What am I going to do? You know, because I'm not going to be in this place where I'm no longer pregnant. You know, now what? My father doesn't really want me there. So I ended up going back to the lifestyle from 19 to 26. I ended up back into the lifestyle of prostitution because it became a survival thing now. And then now I was even more angry, you know, I was like, my dad won't help me, this pimp put me in this lifestyle, you know, I've been through all kind of things and there's no help, no support, no anything, so I kind of had a rage and a vengeance for men, so when I ended up back into that lifestyle, I made sure that one, I wasn't going to have any more pimps, I was going to be my own sole uh, business, I did everything myself, my own ads, I, I marketed myself, everything. And I know I just played a role like I had to pimp and just to keep myself safe. And, you know, it became a survival thing. I had my own apartment, my own, uh, my own place like everybody else, except I was just living above my means, you know. And um, I treated it like a business. It was work for me. It wasn't just, oh, I was out here, you know, doing it just because. I, I, I treated it like a job. It was my job. I worked from this time to this time. And that's what I did. And I save up for my money, for my rent, for my bills. And I had I lived just like anybody else would. You would never know what I did. I kept it very professional. And your mother was still in Japan. I don't know my mother. You never I did. You, you never had a chance to connect with her. 
No, not not until I was about 22, 23 years old is when Facebook came about and she contacted me on there. But by the time that what happened, I was already deep in a lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so 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 picking it up. Okay, you uh, you you had gotten back into it nineteen or so to twenty six. Yes. Okay, and and at that point, were were you? Did you ever turn to the Lord at through these years, or was it an all of a sudden thing, or? Or how did you get well, out? Well, what happened was is that I knew of God, you know, because of my grandmother and my dad and certain people. This lady named Melanie, who was my neighbor in Atlanta, in Lawrenceville, Georgia, she always talked to me about God, and she still keeps in touch with me now. And she would talk to me about God and give me verses and things, and at times I didn't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. But, um... What happened was is that I met this man who happens to be my husband now. I met him off of a chat line. Mm-hmm. And this man, you know, took care of me and was fine. You know, he took care of me and he loved me. And because I never felt this love by anybody, I never told him about how my lifestyle as being a prostitute. Hmm. I just lied and said I did massages or whatever. You yeah. Know, I lied for a long time. Okay. But eventually we got married and I still was prostituting. He still didn't know. Once he found out and I had a baby with him, things changed. Um, I have an older son named Matthew, but at that time I was still prostituting on the streets and he tried to get me out of the lifestyle once he found out I got in trouble with the law but he couldn't stop me you know I was still in my darkness and still very angry and mean and hostile and I wanted it my way and you know he still stood by me and still stayed with me and he's still with me to this day um once I had Matthew amen um, to that I applaud the brother for sticking with you yeah, he, he, you know, he still stuck with me. He still loved me and he's still been with me. And, you know, he always knew there was greater in me before I even did. But the funny thing is, is that when I had my son, God was already making transitioning in me. I just didn't know and wasn't really aware of it because I didn't have that relationship with God yet. Well, you so, know, you know, God will do that. Uh, he, he doesn't need us to bless us. You don't even have to know about it. And he will be in the background working things out to your favor. Even before you come to him and ask him because that's just who he is. Right. So what happened was God knew that he had to take everything away from me. Strip me from everything like he did for Job. Stripped me everything. Amen. Now I was homeless with the child. Now in my mind, I'm like, well, how am I still going to be able to go out and do what I'm doing? I can't because I got this baby with me 24/7. More so now. Mm. So with that being said, I have to swallow my pride, go get uh, low-income housing, get on food stamp and cash assistance. Mm-hmm. And put all my stuff in the storage. Now I'm bouncing from house to house, don't know where to go, don't have, you know, just, and I'm just thinking, like, why, why, why? Now, my husband is on Social Security and he gets us into an apartment. And I finally get a job working as a caregiver, but that wasn't enough. And I ended up getting in trouble again. Mm. And when I got in trouble again, uh, this time I ended up working as a, a housekeeper for the embassy suites in Portland, Oregon. And then next, you know, God ends up blessing me with twin boys. Mm-hmm. Now I'm pregnant with twin boys. And I have, it was funny because I had all these funny little 
discernment, but I couldn't understand. I kept telling my husband, I'm going to have these babies at seven months. He's like, no, that's too early. I said, I don't have a choice. Like, I just know. Next you know, I had them at 29 weeks. These twins are in the NICU for 47 weeks. They're fine, whatever. Then I get my in- I get my housing for me to live in this low-income housing place. Once I start working, uh, once I started living in my house, my townhouse here that I'm currently in, I started to feel emptiness. Like, why am I feeling empty? I no longer have to prostitute. I have my husband who's still here. I have my children. My, you know, the twins is here. Even though one of the twins been diagnosed with cerebral palsy, but God told me to decree that He'll deliver him and watch him heal. But I felt so empty, and I couldn't understand why. I would smoke weed. I've smoked weed for 11 years, mm-hmm. day in, day in, day out, every day, every day. And it was to the point where I would smoke weed, but I wasn't getting high. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, if I'm not getting high, there's no point of smoking it. And a friend had introduced me to a lady who I met at the mall, and she uh, bought me my Bible, and we sat down and we talked for seven hours at the mall. Hmm. So while we talking, I have this Bible, and she introduced me to a ministry called the God Daughters. And this girl is reading the Bible, and you know she says, if you have your Bible, please follow along. And I'm sitting there looking at the Bible, and I'm like, well... Yes, I might as well open it. <laughs> so I start. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you might as well. <laughs> I mean, she bought it for a reason, not just to sit and collect dust. <laughs> so I, you know, and I, I look at it, and I know, I'm, and I'm a very feisty person. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm the type very feisty in that challenge. And, you know, I was fighting God, you know, and I was like, mm, I don't know, I don't know. And, you know, and I'm like, man, I need to, why does my soul feel so empty? I'm like, I need a fix. And and not like a fix towards drugs, but I need to heal it. Something, I need something to make me feel better. And all I hear is, seek God first. In my mind, I'm like, what? Oh, no. I don't know if I want to be part of that whole church thing and the hypocrisy. And I see what it did with my dad. And I see how people in the church are. And I was like, uh-uh. But I was so desperate that I said, let me try it, because I heard it again. I'm like, man, my soul is empty. I feel like a walking dead person. Mm, mm, mm. And I heard, seek God first. Amen. I said, all right, all right, all right, all right, I'll try it. So I opened up my Bible again. And this time, he had me reading Matthew did all the New Testaments, not even the Old Testament, just the New Testaments. And as I was reading, you know, I started skipping different books and started reading it. And next thing you know, I started to, you know, August 17th is when I, I really, August 17th of 2018 is when I really started to read the Bible, like really read it every day. Like it was to the point where I couldn't get enough of what was, what was the next chapter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, then, scripture, scripture starts jumping off the page at you. Well, yeah. At first, it was kind of hard, you know, because I had, you know, it was talking about some parts about sexual immorality and prostitution, and you know, I was like, wow, for this to be the Bible, there's a lot of prostitutes in here. Yeah. You know? So I did. I felt bad, but I didn't feel too bad because I'm like, this is one of the supposed to be one of the holiest, sanctified books. There's prostitutes in here. What? So it caught my interest even more. Like, mm. well, let me see what God has to say about these type of women. But I felt like he was, at times I had to put it down because I felt like he was talking to me. Because I felt guilty. And I felt like my conscience, you know. That's the conviction. real harsh. Well, that's the conviction <laughs> of, the, of the spirit. And, of course, you know now, I mean, they, they call that the world's oldest profession. And and they were certainly around, you know, uh, uh, back in our Lord's time. I mean, they you're right. I mean, they all over the Bible. Yeah, and so it, it, it caught my attention. I can I can see how that so, would. Yeah, I I started reading it, and then September 11th, I went through this revival here in Oregon. And I kept hearing God saying, just go to it, 
the first day. You have to go on the first day because it was for three days. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I'll, you know, I started to listen and hear what he had to say. So I said, okay, I'm going to go. And once I go, you know, I heard them say, you know, come to the altar. Do you want to give yourself to the Lord? And, you know, at first I sat there. And then he said it again. He's like, well, there's somebody out there that wants to be saved. And there's somebody out there that's still kind of sketchy and have doubts. And I felt like he was talking to me. But the funny part is, like, I felt God, like, lift, push me out of the chair. He's like, go up there. So I went up there. <laughs> All right. Amen. <laughs> I went up there and I was like, what is going on? Am I, you know, am I tripping? Am I, am I going crazy? Like, am I hearing things? Or is this really God talking to me? You know, but I was still kind of had doubts in the Lord. I went up there and I talked and he's like, are you really sure you want to be saved? Are you sure you, you know, Jesus? And I said, yes, yes, yes. And then I just fell to the ground. Like, I was at peace for like 15, 20 seconds. I woke up like, what is going on? Next, you know, I come home. I'm in my bathroom, and I'm praying, and I'm crying. I said, God, forgive me. I don't, you know, I've, I've done horrible things in my, my life, and I, I was a prostitute. I manipulated men. I conned men. I hated men. I could, you know, I, I just started pouring out my life. Not like he already didn't know, but I just started talking and weeping. Next, you know, I would be in the bath and on my phone, on the Bible apps, you know, getting more in. And then I went on the third day. This time my husband and I went together. Mm-hmm. And then from then on, you know, we just, I just been on fire for the Lord. And then, you know, I still had doubts. I would read the Bible still. And, you know, one day I was going to my friend's house. And this is the day I had faith in the Lord. And that's the day I've never looked back and never doubted God. First, it was when let me back up two days october 12th was the first day when i felt like i couldn't smoke weed anymore that's the day i said you know what i think i'm gonna just stop but then i kind of tear tottered back and forth and i'm like i don't know it's legal here in oregon i mean maybe i don't have to stop you know but then he sent me the first peter chapter 5 verse 8 be alert stay sober-minded for the lion prowls and roars and devours your mind so I was like uh, uh I think I need to stop smoking weed and stop getting high and he kept when I asked again you know what does I asked Google what does God say about smoking weed and and he goes you know even though God says to listen to the lawmakers but what does the Bible say about getting high and, and being drunk and, and, and not being sober minded in your mind and I was like okay that's it I get it God I've stopped. So October 14th is when I stopped because on October 12th is the day I would never forget the Holy Spirit touched me. Now I understand when they say God shows up and God shows out. Mm -hmm. Because I I was at a store, a grocery store. I got rerouted. I don't even, I still to this day don't understand why I was rerouted. Only maybe because God had a plan to show me and test my faith. Because that's the only thing I could think of. I went to the store and I only had $60 on my food stamp card. $60. And it was early. You know, it's only October 12th. We've got how many more days of the month still? Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I I have twin boys. That's enough for three cans of milk. Yeah, all right. (laughs) And I'm, you know, I'm just like, oh, man, this is, I don't know. And all I hear, God, is just trust me. And now I'm really getting feisty with God. Like, really, you want me to trust you? I have never met you, seen you, touched you, heard you, called you, none of that. You want me to trust you? Well, how do I know you're real? And I'm sitting here looking crazy because I'm really walking, pushing the stroller with with the twins and having my uh, six-year-old with me and I'm just pushing going walking to the grocery store and I'm here literally talking to myself and then I'm pretty sure people looking at me like I'm crazy you know this girl talking to herself yeah. no I'm talking to what we call God but I can't, I know I can't see him no more than you can and and all I kept hearing him say is trust me I will provide and I'm like how are you going to provide how well then if you're going to provide prove it 
prove it that you're real, then I'll stop questioning, doubting you. But until then, oh no, this is a little sketchy. But I still felt him, self felt him push me to the store. I'm like, man, I don't know what to do. So I go grab these cans, sit in the cashier line. And then, you know, I'm talking to people talking to me about the twins, you know, what kind of twins are they and how old are they? You know, the typical normal talk when you see a new baby yeah. or babies. Yeah. And so the lady, the lady in front of me says, blessings to you. And I said, okay, I didn't think anything of it because people told me that all my life, blessing, you know, God bless you, bless you. I'm like, okay, I didn't think anything of it. So she said, blessings to you. When it's my turn to go pay for the can of milks. The lady said, oh, here you go. I said, huh? I have to pay for it. She goes, no, you don't. I said, shut up. What do you mean I don't have to pay for it? I, she said, that's why the lady in front of you said blessings to you. And I was like, oh. oh and right in the middle, body, the temperature of my body rose. I sweated through my clothes. I cried. Mm. I was, I, I couldn't even speak. Speak if I wanted to. Wow. The lady, be the lady behind me said, "I don't know what's going on, but every single hair on my body is standing up." And I looked at her arm, and every single hair was standing up, literally. Oh, my God. It took me, a, it took me a few seconds to realize, and I was like, in my mind, it was like I knew this was God, but I was like, is this really God? Is this? It's like I'm like I'm confused. I go out to go see this lady to thank her, but before I can even say thank you, she said, Jesus wants me to tell you that he loves you and keep doing what you're doing. Now, how does this lady know that I'm in the Bible and I'm reading the Bible? How does she know that? Yeah. I cried and my body temperature rose. Now, I'm walking back to the max to the train to go home to tell my husband what just happened. Like, I met God. Like, I didn't literally meet him, but I felt like I met... No, I did meet God. I just felt him in a different presence. Yeah, and it, it may have been an angel that he sent, or she may not have been an angel, and he uh, spoke to her through the Spirit and sent her. But it was God what? one way or the other. Why? And I, I, could, I was blown. I cried. I cried. I apologized to God. I said, God, I am so... So sorry that I doubted you. I am so sorry that I was questioning you. I am so sorry that I would even fix my mouth to say prove it. Mm. But it was like it was like my spirit was laughing because it was like God's spirit jumped into me. It was like saying, you know, he was laughing at me like I created you before I placed you into your mother's womb. So I already knew how you are. I know how to how you operate. I know how you think. I know how you feel. I was waiting for this day. I already had this day prepared, so that's why I rerouted you. I had already planned out, you know, why you thought you was going to go through one thing, but I had another plan for you. And October 12th of 2018, I promise you, I have never doubted God. My faith grew. I started to read the Bible even more. I started to just praise the Lord and pray and thank Him. And next thing you know, I spent... You know, the little bit of money that I do have, you know, because I'm on a fixed income through the state. Mm -hmm. I, 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 The little money that I do have, the first place I go is most girls will go, you know, get a new purse, a new shoe, a new outfit. No, I go get either uh, a new book from a Christian bookstore. That's where I'm going. Or getting a cross or, you know, getting children's Bible or doing something dealing with the Lord, you know, a picture or you know whatever you know that's where I'm at at the Christian bookstore or I'm learning about the Lord and and I read the Bible and I've got things being sent to me about different things and how to explain the word and just just all these amazing things that happen and the thing that made my faith in the Lord even more stronger is when you know I understand now that when you give yourself to the Lord and you know I was walking in darkness for 10 years that's a long time to worship it and give the devil all the praises, you know? Mm. So when I finally flipped over and gave it to the Lord, and God has shown me and done things and provided for me, you know, that was just the beginning. I had an abnormal cyst on my right ovary, and they told me that I would need surgery to get it taken out. But I knew that God was my healer, because I just got done reading that, how he healed all these different people, and how he walked and cured all these people 
full of leprosy and sickness and brought people from the dead. I was like, well, if he could do that, then he could take this little sister away. Amen. Amen. And November 24th, I went to a church. And I I knew I had, I was sick for three, four days. So sick. Fever is just sick. And I normally don't get sick. I don't get sick. I take very good good care of my body. And, um... I, I got sick. I haven't gotten sick in over, what, 11 years? And I just happened to get sick. And I went to the ER, and that's when I found out they said I had a cyst and all this, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know, they gave me narcotic pills, and I didn't want to take it. But I got said, okay, you take two. Just take two of them, because I know you're in a lot of pain, but don't worry. If you just give it to me, I'll heal you. So I knew I, had to tr- I, knew I could trust him because he already provided, and he showed me that he was real. So I, for two nights, I begged and pleaded and cried and asked and prayed and begged and pleaded, Lord, you can heal me if you could take this away. I trust you. I have faith in you. You says, if I had faith as small as the mustard seed, that I could move this mountain over there, and I'm trusting that you could heal me. Just give me enough strength to go to the church and touch that altar so you could heal me. And soon enough, he allowed me to get enough strength to touch that altar. And the pastor had told me that because you have so much faith. You are healed from hmm. your pain. Wow. And you will walk out of this church. No problems, no pain, no nothing. Maybe. As soon as church service was over, I walked out that church like I wasn't even hurt. And people knew I walked in sick as a dog. Wow. And I walked out healed. Amen. No pain, no nothing. Now, that's the second time God has did something for me and delivered me from something. Not just from the lifestyle of prostitution and smoking weed for 11 years, but he provided and he healed for me. That's not enough for a person to say, oh, I have no choice but to trust the Lord. Yeah, he been... When doctor said, I need it. Well, he's been filling your spirit as you were taking your money and buying those booklets and... and and learning more of the word he's filling you with the word uh just bringing you uh along and bringing you out of the darkness i mean i'm just it gives me chills to hear your story and when i had the twins one of the twins has twin one of the twins his name is Tristan. The name is Tristan and Christian, which is symbolically named for trust in Christ. Oh, it's right. symbolic. All name. right. All right. I like that. Trist, Trist, Tristan yeah, Trist. and Christian. Yep, Tristan and Christian is symbolic for trust in Christ. Well. And with that being said, you know, he, Tristan has been diagnosed with cerebral palsy and that he's not able to walk uh, uh, you know walk from the hips down he can't walk or anything but God I told me that if I can heal you what makes you think I can't heal your baby that I've placed into your womb and I and he said decree that he's got that's what man says yes it'll take time but if you have faith and you do what I say and you pray and you heal and you speak life into him that you like you have been he will be healed within time just trust me and that's all I've been doing is trusting the Lord and doing what he saying and obey him because I know that his blessings and what he manifests in my life is greater than what I can do and what man can do on earth amen Jessica uh I I love it, and I love to hear the stories of God stepping in on man's behalf, you know, and rewarding the faith and 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 fervently seeking Him. You know, I just love to hear it. Uh, uh, and Amen to you for for uh, allowing Him to bring you out you know, from your distresses. Yes, God is good. God he, is awesome. He he's awesome all the time. So so now you are you are in uh, you're going to uh uh the leader the the school uh at the Christian Leaders Institute. See you've gotten that yeah. far. 
Yes, um, the Christian Leaders Institute is a, a school that's online and it's a free of intuition, so you don't have to pay tuition. You could just go on there, um, take the little courses, um, you get through the getting started part, you know, they want to know your history, how did you find God, and the same story that, you know, most people want to know, how did you how did you find God, what led you to the Lord, and you tell them this story and now I'm just taking ministry 101 because um, I had taken I didn't realize that your spirit could get tired I thought there was just your body your flesh get tired but I've noticed that when you get filled up with the Holy Spirit and you get filled up with the word your spirit gets tired and you have to rest and when I was resting one time you know I asked God what is it that I want to do you know because he knows I like to model because I used to model but now that I've given myself to the Lord you know modeling is kind of iffy because it's it's always so sexual and you know I want to be a vessel for the Lord and be that model for Christ and the funny part is that he said well you can uh, be a model for me why don't you just go to school go to Christian Leaders Institute and be uh, an ex-prostitute that becomes a prophetic pastor amen and I was like what I was kind of like shocked but then once I started doing it, it's funny because I actually enjoy doing it. I actually like learning and reading and knowing the biblical, you know, ways of how you got to keep your household and your marriage and what comes first and how to do it according to what Jesus says. And it's so funny because I must say this, living in darkness for 10 years and only being delivered what? almost five months on the 17th of this month I'll be walking with the Lord only for five months he's done amazing things and great great things and I must say that it's easier for me now I can only speak on my behalf because of what I've went through it's easier for me to walk a holy and godly way because I have walked in darkness and I know the tricks of darkness and and I do get attacked from the enemy but I know how to armor up and I fight back with the sword of the word and you know I allow God to help me fight the enemy off because I know that's what his job is, is to confuse and kill and steal and defeat us of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ but when Jesus is in you and the Holy Spirit lives within you it's actually easier for a person like me that's living in the darkness to walk holy because we know what it's like to be in a dark lifestyle and be empty and have no soul and isolation and all the things that Satan has created for me all those years. I walk with God because I know that he is the light and he is the way and he can provide and he does the things that you can't even explain but you know that was the Lord. So I know that I would never go back living into darkness because I've seen what God has done for me. And I would like to be that vessel that God can use so I can teach others and and minister to others that say that, hey, God is real. I've been on both sides where I doubted and I didn't believe to I believe full heartedly and some and my faith is there because we get a misunderstanding that we want God to have things happen now and it's always God's fault because he allows these tragedies but really what I'm learning in the from school and being in the word is that God doesn't create these tragedies Satan do evil do our sinful natures do because we have disconnected from God so because we disconnected ourselves from God God gives us the choice to either do good or the evil, and that's what Adam and Eve did, you know, Eve ate from the garden knowledge of tree of good and evil because she was manipulated by the serpent, and that's how humanity got disconnected from the Lord, but because God loves us so much, and he sent his only beloved son, Jesus Christ, to die on that cross, to shed blood on that cross for our grace and salvation, that we can be reconnected with the Lord and the second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7 says that the new the, the old of you has passed and you are a new creation in Christ so because you're a new creation in Christ 
and you really have that built that strong deep in relationship with Christ the Holy Spirit lives within you and it, you can live holy we still make mistakes because we all fall short from the glory of God but at the same token too if Jesus really lives in you and you really let Jesus come first and you praise Jesus and you ask Jesus and you repent and you yield and you listen to him God will talk to you if you are willing to listen He'll talk to you, but our problem is we want to always do everything ourselves, and we think we know it all when we really, we don't. And I've learned that during my walk that, you know, God is love, and he wants us to be happy and joyful and peace. And you know what? Ever since I started walking with the Lord, I do not worry about anything. I give it to the Lord, and I trust God, and I give it to him, and I praise him for the good and for the bad, and you know, everything that he does, he does for a reason. We might not understand, but when he does reveal it to us, it's going to click, and when it does, we're like, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And, you know, I just want to be able to let other women know that you don't have to be abused, because Psalms 139 verse 14 says that we are made fearfully and wonderfully made. That's mm. how God created us. Mm. So, mm. women need to understand that we don't need a fixing man or drugs or money. That's not going to give you anything, because it's just going to make you empty. And, and, and with all the soul ties and giving yourself away, you, you create soul ties and some soul ties is hard to get rid of and with that being said if you need a fix give your soul to the lord because he conquers everything on earth already he's already went through it he conquered it he knows the feelings he knows the temptations he knows all of that that's why he says be in my presence come to me ask knock and sometimes we're stubborn we hard-headed and we let the flesh get the best of us but when you submit to God and resist the devil, he shall flee away. It says it in the scriptures. And with that being said, nothing, no weapon shall ever prosper over you. Can't. Amen. Because Jesus comes first. Amen. God comes first. Jesus. And when you know that God is in your life and you submit to God, blessings come. I've known that. Amen. Hey. You 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 got me ready to run through a brick wall. I we appreciate you you, you being here, Jessica, and I, being. I love being here to help. Well, that you had me on here. Yeah, yeah. It it just your honesty and openness uh, is is refreshing. Uh, <clears throat> I just encourage you. And and I'll pray for you, and you are well on your way, on the right road, uh, for God to use you to help another lady uh, that, you know, her circumstance may be the same or it may be different. Because God is filling you with the word, and you will be able to be that vessel for him. Yes. Yes, I. It's all glories. It, 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 all the glory goes to the Lord because without Him, I couldn't have done it. You know. Well. And because we, His love. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. Because. Go ahead. Well, I just wanted to thank you. Uh, we we are about out of time, uh, and I just wanted to kind of wrap it up and thank you uh, so much. Uh, you you've encouraged me uh and i know you've encouraged some of our listeners as well and they are pulling for you uh we just we just uh appreciate you being here and i want to you know get an update on you you know in time and know that you're still doing well and god is still blessing of which i have no doubt and <laughs> Yeah, he he has magnificent things planned for me. I just gotta let the Holy Spirit lead me, and you know I'm glad that you had me on here. And I do hope that God allows me to be that vessel that He needs me to be, so I can bring other people to God, so He can redeem and restore and revive them like He has done for me. That's what He does. That's what He does, and and it it could be one person. 
that you are appointed to affect their life. We don't know, but you know, we know we're on the correct side and you are in the light and, and out of the darkness. And there it is. I mean, just, just continue on absorbing that word into your spirit, into your soul. And, and God will, it's, it's like you already know, he's going to take care of you. Yes. And, and, Amen. Well, I, we're going to close now. We remind you that we need your support. We're asking for your support to keep the podcast going. We also have our new community on Facebook, the Giant Slayers community. We encourage you to join the community uh, as we, you know, we like to post updates and, and, and encourage each other. Uh, you also can support us on Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. You can pledge a $1 to $50 a month, and we'd use that to support our different programs that we're working. We thank you all for listening. Uh, Lord willing, we'll be back next week with another episode. We, we speak blessings and peace in the Jessica Johnson's life. The listeners are surely in agreement with me because I know a lot of them, Jessica. And <laughs> yeah, and you just keep going on and 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 with that kind of strong faith, uh you're gonna you're just gonna always be all right. I pray for your son too. Thank you. All right, that's it for us today, and we'll be back next week, Lord willing.